Hi, everyone. It's Mark Stenson, and you've reached our podcast, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, where we get to talk to creative talent all over the world in publishing and film and animation, music, even restaurants, hospitality, and learn how they get inspired for creative thinking. Learn from their experience on the tools and formulas and processes they use to produce their work. And most of all, get inspiration to make the connections and get our own creative work out into the world. I'm pleased to have as my guest today, a teen author, Angel B. Jimenez. He's the author of a fantasy novel called Age of the Kings. Angel, it's great to have you on board. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. Well, it must be exciting to get a book like this out. It was. It was pretty exciting, especially at such a young age. Yes, exactly. Well, tell me what the background story is, uh, the inspiration for you writing this novel. And I guess not only writing it, but as you say, at this young age, Mm -hmm. that you actually wanted to publish and produce it. At first, I never thought about publishing, right? I was just a kid. I came up with Age of the Kings. When I first started writing it, I was nine. I was nine. So I was like fourth grade, fifth grade, something like that. And I just knew I wanted to write something. I was bored that day. So I started typing into a Word document, and it was my first time actually diving into a story. Over the course of the story, I found out one chapter was not enough because I wanted to write a short story. So I just continued going further and further into it and writing two chapters, three chapters. Eventually, it became into a novel, and it was full of grammatical errors, so many things. I mean, I wrote it when I was nine, right? I wrote half of it when I was nine. And then I took a big hiatus from it and began continuing to write it at around the age of 14 when I moved from California to Colorado because I was born in California. The story revolves around a boy who's fighting this other world. Um, He's he's going into a fantasy world and there's all this stuff going on, but it's really a story about friendship, fellowship and family, I guess you could say connections between people, because that's what I wanted to write about. That's what I was feeling during that time. Age of the Kings is symbolically largely based off of my life. You got all the fantasy, all the dinosaurs and whatever, but it's symbolically based off of my life. That's where I got my inspiration from. I wanted to get out to other people what I was feeling during those times. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's what Age of the Kings was. A boy who's fighting all these challenges, these monsters, these dinosaurs, these otherworldly creatures. And at the same time, he's making friendships, he's making rivalries, he's connecting with his family and with strangers with different backgrounds. And because that's kind of what happens in real life, right? We make network connections with people, we meet new people, we get into fights with people for stupid reasons, sometimes for big reasons. And that's what Age of the Kings is, or at least what I want it to be, right? That's what the whole saga is, because it's going to be more than one book. That's where I mainly got my inspiration from for the first novel throughout what I was feeling, my life. Like, say I was going through a dark time, right? That other fantasy world that Angel was teleported to or whatever symbolically represents my dark time that I was going through. And when Angel gets out of it and he has these other challenges to surpass, That was me getting out of my dark time and finding these new mountains that I had to surpass as well. And did you find continuing to work on the story year over year, you know, that you kept revisiting some of the pain, the struggles, but also the, you know, victories and optimism. How was that? I'll call it therapeutic even. How was that for you from that standpoint? Right. So as I wrote, I think I had so much going on. 
so many new mountains and challenges. I often didn't revisit the past ones. When I read it now, I'll, I'll revisit it again. But during my editing time, I was more focused on the present and what was happening now. And that way I could gather that emotion, that feeling to put completely into the story, right? So I barely revisited those parts until I started really um, finalizing everything, polishing it up. That's when I had to reread everything again. And that's where I was kind of like, oh, I remember that, you know, I, I feel that again in my heart or whatever. So that's kind of what it was. And it was very therapeutic writing the book itself. Right? It helped me a lot. Like I said, in my way, writing was my way of venting, right? I'm not one to talk to people a lot. I don't like to do that. So writing is my way of telling the world or venting or whatever. And at the same time, getting a message across. And, and similarly, I guess it, it wouldn't be uncommon for a kid of 9, 12, 14, you know, as you're growing older, to, to write about their experiences or even to create these fantasies. But it's another to say, I'm going to take the next level and publish it. What was your catalyst right. wanting to put it in a book? Right. So that's a funny story, actually. Like I said, I never thought about publishing, right? I never thought that was possible, especially for a kid of my age. Now that I have my own podcast and everything, I've met more people like, but back then I didn't know about this. I didn't think teen authors were a thing, but my father was always insisting, you should publish your book. You should publish your book. I didn't want that. And when we moved, I was going through a different hard time and I was frustrated with myself. I was frustrated with my writing in a way I wanted to punish myself. So I said, I want to prove to myself how much my book sucks, how much it's like just not good. It's just terrible. So I began looking for publishers online and I wanted to publish. I wanted to submit my book to them and have them reject my book just to feel bad about myself. <laughs> right. So I found one, Newman Springs, they're a publisher in New Jersey, and I submitted my novel to them. And within the week, they called, they called my father and he was busy at work, so he didn't answer. And he told me, hey, Newman Springs called me. And I was like, did they call you back? And he was like, no. And I was like, oh, that's probably because they, they, <laughs> they rejected my book, right? They just didn't care to call back again. So we called them back about a couple of days later. And they're like, hey, we'd love to work with your son. We'd love to publish his book. I'm like, that's not the way it was supposed to go down, but all right. So after that, we just got into the whole process of editing and publishing and all that. Well, let's talk a little bit about that process uh, for you. What was the kind of going back and forth, reviewing, editing? What was that process like? So it was a mess. I mean, this publisher did a good job. They're excellent publishers. They get the job done, but it was a mess at, at first, especially for our first time publishing, right? The editing was the hardest part, as I think it is all the time. Editing is always the hardest part, I think, with a book. Their company hires freelance editors from all over the world to edit your book, right? They don't do it themselves. Therefore, when they submit your book to all these other freelance editors, you're getting these types of editing and grammatical edits that may, you may not be familiar with because they have a different style of writing. So all of a sudden, I get this manuscript back and it's full of things that I'm like, you didn't have to change that. That was already good. This was good, but you just messed that up again, right? Or times where they misspelled my character's names right i had already written them correctly and then they changed it and i was like why and they were like oh we have we submit your book to freelancers and they may have different styles of english right that you may not may not be familiar with so i was like what's the point that i have to edit it myself then so then my father and i along with a professor who has a phd in english we read that book about six seven times 
and had to edit it over and over again and trying to find all those small mistakes, right? And get the grammar right, get the spelling right, because the first half of the book was of a complete mess because I was nine when I wrote it. So it was a challenge editing it uh, big time because the publisher didn't do it. The publisher simply just maybe did a couple spelling corrections and that's it. But grammar wise, it was a mess. So we had to do it all ourselves. And it sounds um, like you were trying to maintain the story mm-hmm. you know, in the foundation too. Oh, definitely. Yeah. When they're misspelling names and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm like, that's how it's written. Leave it like that. Right. That's right. That's right. So, um, so that was a challenge. Yes, for sure. Well, do you have the book handy? Would you mind reading a passage uh, from the book? I, I know there's some passages online, but I'd love to hear what you think is a good passage and in your own voice. I think is a good passage. Let's see. Here we go. All right, I'm going to read a bit of the first chapter. All right. 14-year-old Angel could still see it all. He couldn't open his eyes, nor could he talk. His head had been in pain, and his eyes felt tired. He could still hear the running and the chasing, the screaming of the doctors, then the crash. His father had been in a terrible car accident. Two old Fords had rammed his car off the road. His father was in critical care. Doctors didn't know if he was going to make it. While everyone was asleep, Angel had dashed away. He'd followed a scientist to the hospital. Angel knew the difference between a doctor and a scientist. He was young and was curious as to why a scientist was in a hospital. Maybe it was just a coincidence. A kid's mind can wander and assume the less probable alternatives. The scientist led him to a secret lab behind the hospital wall in the doctor's office. He got caught and was chased down by multiple security guards. They obviously didn't want him finding something. Angel didn't care. He wanted to know who was hired to hurt his father. Angel had known for some time that his father had many enemies at the hospital due to his recent conflicts with an old powerful associate that worked at the hospital. Angel had watched the security guard use the password on the door to get in. After he lost the security guards, by hiding in an air vent, he went through the secret door. He memorized the password on it. He had to swipe up twice, then down once, and then once to the right on the blue touch screen. When he had gone in, it was an awful Live animal test subjects. It was a room full of scientists experimenting on critters. Angel hid behind a desk to observe without being caught. He had experienced weird events in the past, but nothing like what was about to happen. Angel waited till closing hours when all the scientists left for the night. He had then crawled out from under a desk and wandered around the room. Angel thought he was dreaming. He had found himself in a secret lab behind hospital walls, and then he saw it the large, heavy metal hatch door. There was a tag on the handle. It read PA. The door was unlocked and Angel pushed the door aside as he went in. Upon entering, his face was caught in the mass of cobwebs obstructing the entrance. The cobwebs extended across the concrete ceiling of the room and rats ran across his feet as he inched his way forward. He wanted it all to be over, but it was just the beginning. In the center of the dark room was an enormous metal sphere, at least five times larger than him. One light shined upon the sphere, just enough for Angel to make out a large red button on the center of the sphere. It, had a rough, it was roughly the size of his hand, and on the button, a fossilized head of a Tyrannosaurus Rex was painted on it. Angel reached over to press the button. It clicked as he pressed it, and then a funnel of bright, colorful flashes surrounded Angel, and in a moment, the boy was gone. So that's the, pretty much the first chapter of the book. And I wrote that when I was, yeah, like nine, nine <laughs> or ten. Well, it's very descriptive. I assume for the young reader, you're also really painting a picture and getting them involved in the scene. Have you had a chance to get any feedback 
from those I have. readers? Yeah, what, yes. what are they a saying? A lot of feedback. A lot of them have been young readers so far. Obviously, the people who helped edit the book were more adults. Um, and, but all the feedback has been perfect, especially the young readers. They're like, I have two young readers so far that have told me they've reread the book over five times already. Over five times. I mean, I don't even do that when yeah. I'm reading. <laughs> I'm not going to reread a book five times unless it's over yeah. the span of like 10 years or something. Yeah. But they reread it like five times in the span of two months. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I'm like, that's awesome feedback that they're enjoying the book. Yeah, it must be very gratifying. And talk to me about the, uh, the cover artwork. Yeah. So that artwork was actually done by my sister. And she's two years younger than me. And she's an artist. She's actually drawn uh, the rest of the covers for the other four books that will be coming out as well. That one was hand-drawn, though. And it's, it's a funny story, too, because, again, with the publisher, it was hand-drawn. And there's a face on the upper left-hand corner of the book. That face was never supposed to be there. That was a rough sketch that we tried to erase on the paper drawing. But the publisher, I guess, didn't realize we had tried to erase it and it was still somewhat visible. So when we got the, the final copy back, we were like, what's that face doing there? It's supposed to be gone, right? But we just stuck with it. I mean, we thought it might give the book some kind of, it'll catch your eye or something. It'll stand out on the bookshelves. So um, we kept it, but that one was hand-drawn. All the other ones are digital. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, it sounds like a real family affair to uh, get this book out. Sure. Yeah, it took everybody pretty there much. You go. And how was that? You know, you think about working with collaborators in general, but how about working with the family? It was easy and different at the same time. I mean, it was our first time doing it as well. But I think it, it really helped, right? You're among family, so you're always going to support each other and you're always going to give each other positive feedback. So it was nice. I think it was nice working with the family. Yeah, that's good. Now let's talk about some of your other creative pursuits Mm -hmm. uh, beyond the book. Uh, I know you have a podcast. Uh, How's that going for you? It's good. I had an interview just about an hour ago before this one. And what sort of topics are you pursuing on that podcast? So the podcast is called the Athenium. Now the Athenium is an old word or name for an observatory where literary experts will study stories and books. And I thought that was pretty, like, pretty fitting because what I wanted to do was interview people, just not, not necessarily writers like me, just people from all different backgrounds, um, athletes, authors, actors, directors, screenwriters, whatever, musicians. And I wanted to interview them on their life stories, not just their creative pursuits and what they're currently doing, but I also wanted to know how they got there. And I wanted to study their life stories like a literary expert would do in an Athenium. And so that's what I do. I just interview people, have them talk to me, and they're doing most of the talking. I'm just asking the questions and stuff like that um, because I want to get a message across. And so many of these people have so many good messages and stories to give to people, right? Stories that can serve to inspire us as they've inspired me. Like I talk to these people every time. And sometimes I'm like, I don't feel like doing an interview today. I'm just, I'm just tired. And by the end of it, I'm like, I'm in love, right? Like I love this story. And I think it's, it's such a shame because there's so many stories out there just sitting on our front porch that can serve to inspire us, but nobody's touching them because they don't know about them. Mm -hmm. Right. Or they're afraid to reach out to them, but they're right there. And they're just sitting there like anyone to take. So I like to take those stories, take those interviews, talk to those people, and hopefully have those stories inspire someone else. Well, and it sounds like a lot of fun for you too. 
sure. So you mentioned you might have a couple of more books in the works. What's next for uh, you, Angel? The sequel to Age of the Kings will be coming out next year, hopefully. It's called The New Brood, Age of the Kings, The New Brood. And it's pretty much just going to follow uh, where the last book, the first book left off. And um, Angel's going to have, or the main protagonist in the book, Angel, he's going to have new problems to face. He's going to have probably bigger problems to face than in the first book as well. Um, I think every book starts to increase in intensity and in maturity as well, because it's pretty much just Angel's entire life, right? And throughout the book series, you can see him growing, time jumps and everything. And we start to see how his challenges start getting bigger and bigger as he matures and as he grows up into, into a man, right? The second book will be coming out next year, The New Brood. Um, and it's going to be very different from the first book. Um, He's going to be on an island, stranded, and a whole, stuff is, a whole lot of stuff is going to go down. But the second book out of all the books was definitely the one I enjoyed writing the most. And I, it's not my favorite out of all five, but it's definitely the one I enjoyed writing the most for some reason. It's got something to it. And uh, it's very enjoyable to write, and I'm sure it'll be enjoyable to read, too, for my audience. Well, great. That's very fulfilling that you enjoyed writing it. Yeah. Well, Angel, how can people stay connected with you and learn more about the book? Right, of course. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at official underscore Angel B. Jimenez. My website has also got everything you need, including the podcast. That's www.ageofthekings.net. You can email me at aja.ageofthekings.net as well. Um, and those are pretty much the big places to find me. My, my podcast is on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. So you can find me there as well. And well, sounds good. Well, it's been great getting to know you, Angel, and congratulations on the book and, and the podcast and all the other uh, creative endeavors. Thank you so much, Mark. Likewise. Yeah, all the best to you. Well, we've been talking with Angel B. Jimenez, a teen author. His book is Age of the Kings. The podcast is The Athenium. We've really enjoyed unlocking your world of creativity with Angel. You know, this is one of the ways that we learn how so many people in different fields and at different levels of their fields, uh, authors who have published many books. We've talked to artists who have published and recorded many songs, but it's good to see how a teen author like Angel starts from the very beginning, gets encouragement from the family and others around him, and also then has the patience and resilience and confidence to publish the work. And so uh, it's very complimentary, Angel, and it's very good to see you uh, making that step. So listeners, uh, come back again for our next episode where we'll be unlocking your world of creativity with another global guest and learn about their creative thinking and where they get their inspiration and most of all, where they make their connections to get their creative work out into the world. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Unlocking your world of creativity with Mark Stinson. Copyright 2020. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get our book, A World of Creativity. Paperback is at a special price of $5.98 and the Kindle version is only 99 cents. Go to my website, mark-stinson.com. The book is featured on the homepage. You can click it and go to Amazon, Mark hyphen stinson.com and enjoy the book.